everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. Hey, how's everybody doing? Big Dave and Joe, another edition of Poker Action Line here at the after the conclusion of the World Series of Poker main event. They're still finishing up uh, a couple of tournaments still. There was a whole bunch scheduled, including some very high roller events, a super high roller, and uh, a lot of the big winners toward the end or deep finishers in some of these events are definitely people you would know, unlike maybe earlier in the tournament when... Uh, a lot of unknowns uh, went pretty far, but uh, it was a mixed bag. And uh, I would say all in all, Joe, uh, from, from I don't know from what you heard about, there was very little talk about the shortage of dealers. Um, there was really no COVID issues until the end of the tournament. Uh, I don't know. What did you hear about the, the whole uh, shebang? Well, on my end, and uh, I'll preface this by saying that I, I just go based on some of the people that I know that went out there. Uh, and some of the stuff that I read, you're right. There really wasn't major issues with the dealers. Um, if there were problems, I guess people were being a little more, uh, you know, understanding and, uh, you know, putting up with any mistakes. Um, I also didn't hear anything <clears throat> about, you know, uh, long lines. Did you hear about that? I complained about that and everything uh else. I heard a few. Certain events were really bad, but um, for the most part, I think uh, they did a pretty good job. I think most people walked away from it feeling like, eh, it was a good run at the Rio, 17 years, uh, worked out well, and looking forward to uh, uh, the, the, new, the new places. It's actually going to be two different hotels that are going to host next year, uh, Bally's and Paris. So um, I don't know exactly what their... Um, Meeting room facilities are like, how many tables they can hold. We'll hear more about it, I guess, as we move forward. But they're going back to the regular time frame next year. They have announced that uh, starting in late May and going into July. So um, as far as complaints, uh, you know, there were some things here and there. But, uh, you know, poker players are always going to complain. So I kind of dismissed a lot of it as sour grapes. Uh, we did see a lot of big-name players getting a lot of publicity, including – Phil Helmuth, Daniel Negreanu, who made some big runs at the end. Phil did not win his 17th bracelet, but he did uh, finish second in one tournament late. We'll talk about some of that. He finished third in another, and uh, he set a record because he had seven final tables during the series. Yeah, I remember we were talking about that leading into the series, remember, with the uh, heads-up match that he yeah. had? Yeah, uh, he, uh, with, uh, I, think that, I think that benefited him very, very well. Yeah, I think so, too. Kind of gets those juices flowing, those competitive juices flowing, you know? Right. So, uh, well, and, and, you know, listen, no matter how you feel about him, personally, the man is a, a, a great, great, great poker player. So, Well, we know there wasn't a mask mandate, and a lot of players did not wear masks. A lot of players did. I would, I, I don't know. I didn't, I wasn't there to see every room and every tournament, but... Uh, I'm going to bet that maybe uh, a good percentage, 40 or 50%, did wear masks. Uh, I did start to hear a lot on Twitter the final week during the main event uh, that people were catching it. And they had several players that actually pulled out of the tournament 
when they had stacks going into day two uh, because they tested positive and uh, dropped out, uh, most of them on their own uh, to get treated and that sort of thing. But uh, I didn't really hear a lot of big publicity, so it couldn't have been a major, major problem. But there was quite a bit of discussion about it, and people thought there was uh, going to be a little talk of a super spreader type event. But uh, uh, over the last few days of the event, I didn't hear too much more about it, so it kind of went away. But throughout the event, I think that was, uh, I don't want to say the least of their problems, but uh, it wasn't a major problem. No, I, I, again, unless they kept it under wraps really well. And, you know, that's kind of hard to do with, those, or with that amount of people out there. Um, you know, it seems like they handled it very well. Um, I don't know where, where you're at, Dave, uh, you know, I know that Dania doesn't have the mask mandate for the players. I mean, for the guests, How, how's it, it over it, there? Cause I know in my place it's, it's, I don't want to say it's 50 50, but it's close to it. If people wear masks and not, and the other not. Well, a lot of people do wear masks there that play, but they just don't have many players. So, uh, I don't think in any way could it be uh, labeled a super spreader event. <laughs> you know, it's funny because on the machines, like I said, in my place, I see 50 50 in the poker room. That's a different story. In the poker room, <laughs> I think if I got if I got fifteen percent of the people wearing masks, that that's a lot. Right. I mean, the employees we all still wear masks, but you know the the players in the poker room just don't want to wear it for whatever reason. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you haven't seen too much of the main. You did follow what was happening. Uh, the winner was uh, Karai Aldemir of Germany. Uh, he actually lives in Austria now. But he was the champion, had a huge lead going into the final three players, uh, the final night. Uh, it was Aldemir Holm, George Holmes, who is a uh, recreational player. This was just a great story. And uh, those two guys were both super nice guys. And I really enjoyed watching them play. Uh, Jack Oliver was finished third from the United Kingdom. And uh, most of the other guys, the probably people I haven't heard of. But the interesting part there, Dave, for those that you know, casual listeners is that uh, Karai had a huge chip lead with Jack being in second and George in third. Right, exactly. And the tables didn't flip, but Jack in second got eliminated, and it was a great battle once they got up there. And, uh, you know, uh, George took the lead, and Karai came back. Yeah, he actually came back and took the lead, which was pretty amazing. And held the lead for a while, and then lost it, and then regained it again. You know, but that's the advantage of having that big of a chip lead that even if someone catches up to you, you know, he had enough chips where, you know, one significant hand, you know, could turn the tables again on him. And they battled it out pretty nicely because I kept, you know, on my phone watching it, you know, logged into WSOP.com and reading their updates and everything else, uh, you know, quite a battle that these guys had. It really was 223 hands on the final table and, uh, Holmes, uh, he's from Atlanta. He's a, uh, he's, he plays in a regular, uh, home game, uh, very rarely plays tournaments at all. So, uh, it was, he was very inexperienced as far as, uh, um, you know, tournament play and that sort of thing, but he made a lot of great decisions. He seemed to be just a super nice guy. Uh, he won $4.3 million, uh, which is pretty yeah. amazing. He, he had finished uh, fairly deep a few years ago in the event. He finished, 
uh, 219th, I guess, uh, was what it was, uh, 213th in the, in the 2019th main event, which was the last live event, uh, won uh, a little under 51,000, but that was his only prior live uh, tournament cash. It was pretty amazing. Well, and to go 219, I mean, she went very deep in both of them because 219 had 8,500 people in it, remember? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, this one's numbers, I believe, ended up 6650. Correct, 6650. So uh, he can't call was... himself a rookie anymore because when you log in those amount of hours, <laughs> it's like in all these sports, you know, we all love watching different sports. Rookies at the end of the year are not really rookies anymore after they've had a full season of whatever sport they're playing under their belt. Yeah, I wonder what so, happens when he uh, uh, has the next home game and all the players come there with their hands out for uh, get a get a piece of the action. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I don't know how good how good of friends those are. Those people are going to be to him, so uh, are to him. So we'll find out. That's going to be interesting talks, though. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm guessing that a lot of foreign players did come in with those two added uh, opening uh, days. Um, I think it was more than a lot of people expected for the event. Uh, there were some people that had higher uh, predictions, but uh, I think a lot of people, especially when it started very slow, the first day was only a little over 500 people. And then they had one big day on a Saturday. Uh, I think it was day 1C that had about 2,700, and that zoomed it right up. And then they finished up with 6,650. Um, you know, nobody could be upset at that uh, because – you know we're still affected by COVID, obviously, and uh, it's gonna it's gonna affect action for probably years to come. But um, pretty pretty cool. Um, the funny story for me was I was watching it, and uh, it was late at night, probably one thirty in the morning or so our time, and I kind of dozed off while they were playing, and then I woke up and they were still playing, and I saw the final hand. Uh, because I had uh, kind of dozed off, though, I had forgot to put my phone on charge. And it was down near the end, uh, you know, 2%, 3%, something like that. And I was watching, and I didn't even realize it, but I watched the final hands. Uh, the tournament ended. There was a little celebration, and they uh, were starting, just starting to interview the players after, at the end. And my phone went dead. <laughs> so I did get to see the end, but stupid me, I, I wasn't prepared for the final. It could have been very upsetting and embarrassing if uh, it had gone off earlier. Well, do you, I mean, I'm sure you read up on it, right? Oh, a yeah. A few hands prior to the final hand, you know, uh, it was funny because I kept refreshing on my phone. And he goes, and he goes, both of them, you know, I don't remember the title, but, you know, the all the chips go in the middle of the table, you know. And uh, and that was the hand where they – that had to be frustrating for both of them. Uh, for yeah, they had the, they had the same hand. Yeah, they had huh? the same hand. They both had ace-10, yeah, right? Yeah, they both had the 10-queen, you know? Oh, 10-queen, that was it, yeah. They had the 10-queen. They hit the, uh, the, the, the Broadway straight, and uh, <laughs> you got to be sitting there thinking – Oh my God! I'm just about to win the. I'm about to win the main event, you know. Well, it was funny and, because uh, we could see the hand. We knew it the whole time, and uh, we're like, oh, "Well, you well, did because you were watching it yeah, on, exactly. on the exactly. streaming service that you that you were, you know, getting." Right. Uh, but I didn't know. I'm just reading up on it, so the, 
Again, those players are you're excited as hell to see that you got the nuts and your opponent is coming after you. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, it's uh, uh, you know, you just it's just kind of funny when you know a little bit more than they do, and they're reacting to it. Uh, you know, with not knowing what the other player has, and we're just shocked. They're both their eyes just uh, bugged out of their heads when they looked down and they had the same hand. Exactly. I'm sure both of them thought that the other one might have had, you know, a pair of, you know, two pairs, aces and whatever, because, you know, you had the ace king jack out there. They each had the 10 queen. Uh, A lot of things had to be rolling through their minds thinking, how am I going to get the other guy to put all his chips in the center? You know, right. Only 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 to have it all go back to each other, you know, exactly. Um, they made the announcements. They kind of brought in Vince Vaughn, uh, the actor, to uh, be the kind of MC master of ceremonies. He actually played in one of the events, uh, one of the smaller tournaments, and uh, suffered a bad beat uh, in that one. But uh, he made the announcement that they were going to be moving to Bally's in Paris. So not a lot of details uh, released on exactly what they were going to do. But um, the, f- the funny thing about Holmes is that uh, – you know, at one point he had about a, a 60 million chip lead. He had 230,000 or 230 million, and uh, Aldemir had like 168 million. Yeah, but at that point in the tournament, remember, you know, it, it, it's a lot of chips, but, you know, one big hand turns it around, and that's what they kept doing. They, you know, the, the, the person who had that chip lead, the other one would chip away at 15, 20 million, then the other one would go up. Uh, right before the final, you know, they, they kind of flip-flopped from 180 to like 210 uh, and, and back and forth, you know. Right. Uh, for me, you know, yeah, that's a lot of chips, 60 million, but think about it. If they had gotten it all in and the short stack wins that, now, now the other one's got a 5-1 to one chip lead on you. It's that quickly when, when, when you're both up that high in chips. Right, yeah, exactly. Uh, I do want to talk about a few other events and, uh, you know, the story of, of the tournament. I don't know uh, who the player of the tournament was. I mean, obviously, you got to consider George Holmes as uh, really one of this uh, breakout stars of this tournament. But, you know, obviously, Helmuth with seven final tables. You had Josh Arier, who won two bracelets uh, after years of being out of the spotlight. Uh, you had, a, I think, you had three players all together that won two bracelets, which is uh, pretty unique. We had a women woman champion, uh, Leo Margetz of Spain, won one of the open events, and obviously we had a woman that won the ladies event. So two women actually took home bracelets, and uh, you know, I think uh, you know the appearance late of guys like Fader Holtz and uh, Elia Lesra. And uh, a few other people that that won tournaments. Uh, Lesra, by the way, was the inductee for the Hall of Fame. I don't know if you had heard that or not. Yes, I have. Yes. So, um, you know, it's all over this year, except for uh, the final tournaments just being finished up now. But I did want to run over some uh, some of the events. Maybe we'll save that for the second half of the show. But there was a lot of talk about, you know, not being able to find a place where you could see it on free TV or IVS ESPN, you pay for that on your cable system. But, you know, for years we were able to see a lot of stuff and just about anybody could watch it. And uh, the story that I read was uh, was was by uh, Earl Burton that writes for Poker News Daily. And he said with the uh, shipping of this to 
uh, CBS Sports Network and Poker Go, which has a $99 subscription fee a year. Uh, he said, does poker even want to be mainstream anymore? I don't know what you thought about that. I Listen, I know I didn't hear it until now that you mentioned it, but, you know, um, I don't know what the financial arrangements were, but, you know, think about it. You just mentioned ESPN. Does it get any better than that for sports? No, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, in your opinion, Dave? No, it doesn't, no. Well, you know, if I'm thinking of a sporting event, even though we do know that they're on, you know, they're on our mainstream, ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, first thought in my mind always is ESPN. Right. Oh, it's the game on ESPN. It's the game on ESPN. I mean, that's that's how we've been programmed now. That's that's how I believe you know the majority of of, of people think that are interested in this. So um, I agree. I mean, I, I would have loved to have seen it on ESPN. Even if they had been on what was it? It was on twenty minute delay the last few years that it was on. Yes. Something like that. Fifteen minutes, twenty minute delay. Right. I I just been sitting in my living room watching it uh, the 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 final tables you know the, the once they got down to nine I, I was listen for me to sit outside in my patio smoking a cigar and, and looking at my phone that'll give you an idea how much I really would have loved to have seen it on on ESPN right right I agree so, I... Uh, I I agree they I don't know that you know. Going forward, I don't know what their financial arrangements were there, but um, I would have tried to have kept it on a mainstream uh, network and doesn't get any better than ESPN that they've had for how many years now? By the way, the commentary was fantastic. We always, I always enjoy uh, Lon McCarron and, uh, and Norman Chad. They added Jamie Kerstetter to the booth, and she was fantastic. She did a tremendous job, was funny. And uh, did a great job of, uh, you know, analyzing some hands and the plays that were made. So uh, it was great. Uh, you know, I, and I think that part of it for people that like the game, certainly, uh, you know, it was top notch. But uh, one of the funny lines I think I saw was, uh, and I was trying to find it here exactly, but uh, with the CBS Sports Network uh, still to uh, broadcast some tape delayed events uh, from the main um, they said they're going to find out very quickly what ESPN learned long ago, that people do not want to watch poker when they know what the result is going to be. Gee, who, who on the show has been saying <laughs> that for a couple of years? I, I know. That's, I, got, I got a good laugh out of it. <laughs> I mean, it's terrible. It really is. It's, uh, I don't know. It's like I said, they're going to find out. They're really going to find out because – I can't watch something like that, you know. The, the last time I watched something knowing what the result was was when our good friend Stacy was with uh, what was that guy's name again? I keep remember, keep forgetting his name. <laughs> it kind of says something uh, very telling that you can't remember his name. Yeah, he, there Will, you go. Will Casu. Will Casu. You know. Will The only reason I wanted to watch him was because of uh, you know how he opened up his big mouth and there was nothing to come out. Out afterwards, and uh, and how he got eliminated, if you remember, uh, you know. But that was just a personal view on that on, on myself. But yeah, exactly. You know, uh, we talk about winners, like people say, they always can remember who comes in first. Can't remember too many of the second place finishers, you know. Yeah, no question, no question. Uh, speaking of that, though, uh, Helmuth did uh, 
run very deep in a tournament. It was kind of funny. He was made the final three of a late event. Uh, and the winner actually was Jeremy Osmus, who has been in the uh, November 9 in the past. And it came down to the final event. And uh, Helmuth, Daniel Negranu, and Osmus battling for the $50,000 Pot Limit Omaha High Roller. And uh, as it turned out, Osmus was the winner. Uh, 1.18 million. Uh, Helmuth won 734,000. Negrano third at 519. But that was a great tournament. And uh, also at that final table, Josh Aurier and Ben Lamb. So uh, that was a great tournament. Let me tell you, I don't know about you, but we had some people that we knew that got into the money in the main event that I kept following, like Ronnie Barda, Hayden Fortini, uh, seeing some of the the... There's the Rocky brothers, like Eric, getting into the money. Uh, Chance Cornish, I think, was the top pro, no, that went the yeah. deepest? Yeah, he went very deep, yeah. He went to the uh, I think he got eliminated final like 18, yeah, something like that. I 16, think he made the final uh, two tables. I believe he got eliminated. Uh, it was interesting. You know, Mike Matisau had been making a deep run, um, got eliminated around 500, something like that in the main event. But, uh, you know, there were some very interesting names in, in there. And um, for, me to, to, for me to keep following it on my damn phone on, 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 you know, on these updates on the WSOP.com, that tells you how much I wanted to see some of it. Yeah, yeah, no question. Uh, let me give you a couple other results because I was very excited to see that Leo Margetz, a female player from Spain, has been around for a while but really hasn't done much lately. But she won the closer. And uh, I think you have to consider that a, a, a victory for women in poker in general. Uh, she She's a sponsored by Winamax. And uh, she finished 27th back in 2009. So she's been playing for a while. Uh, but she won her first bracelet and actually came back from a huge deficit. Uh, she beat Alex Kulev, who had 40 million chips, and she had 7 million, and she made the big comeback. It was pretty impressive. Well, very good for her. Congratulations. And she even made a, a really bad, uh, in the early part of Heads Up Play, she made a very bad error. Uh, she miscounted her stack and ended up getting it all in with 9-4 against ace-nine of her opponent, but she hit a four on the turn and gave her a double up. But she was thinking that she had... Uh, Two and a half, uh, two and a half bigs, and she actually had seven bigs. So she made a mistake. Uh, she had a lot less, uh, a lot more than she thought she did. So she shoved, and somehow it works in your favor. Sometimes, occasionally. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the luck portion of playing poker. Without that, these tournaments wouldn't have as many people as they have in them. Uh, let me ask you this, with uh, the huge uh, turnout uh, or outcome from uh, Helmuth and, of course, all the uh, publicity he was getting from the heads-up matches and did very well in those, obviously, uh, has your opinion of him changed at all? No, I've always thought of him as a tremendous player, and, you know, uh, he's a businessman. He's, you know, turned it into becoming, you know, all the stuff that he sponsors that he has and um in what way do you mean did i do i do i change well, my opinion do i think I, he's I, a better player or yeah 
Yeah, I mean, people are now saying greatest of all time. Uh, his biggest uh, proponent is Mike Matisau, who constantly goes on Twitter and supports him. Uh, you know, a lot of people just really dislike Phil. Uh, I, I kind of dislike Phil, I have to say. Uh, I, I do have more respect for him now. I thought he had lost his game. I really, you know, I'm not the most, the most foremost expert on strategy and that sort of thing, but I thought people had a good handle on the kind of things he did. And I thought, uh, you know, since he was not well-liked, uh, people took advantage of that and played at him a lot harder than they would for someone that they liked. Which is true, which in essence, when you look at it that way, people are taking more chances at him. So when he's even more successful, it's, it's, to me it's even more impressive. You know, uh, his big argument, and yeah, he's a crybaby, you know, as is Mattisau, you know, but um, he, he, you know, he's very analytical at, when he goes about these things. It's, uh, you know, Daniel Negrano's like that, like I've mentioned many times on the show over the years, where he would look at people and make a call just to see if his, you know, if his, you know, assessment of that player and cards they had was correct. And it used to amaze me on this side when I was watching it going, damn, that's, you know, how good he is. And, you know, I'm pretty sure Phil does that. The difference is, you know, he's not well-liked, like you said. You're not a big fan of him because of his Brad image or whatever else. But it doesn't take away from what a great player he is. And you have to recognize that. Um, I got to say, I felt the same stronger about Mike Matisau, you know, being a complete jerk, uh, having seen him once, in person, you know, at the Borgata Open that Daniel Negrano won back in the early 2000s, you know, acting like he was, you know, holier than thou and some big, big bodyguard shutting him down. But when he was down here, Dave, I don't know if you remember, he was at the aisle, I believe, that they ran some sort of, uh, you know, session with some of these groups that you learned that they ran a tournament. And he, he had a beautiful laydown and eventually came back to win the tournament because of that. And it's just, you know, hey, whether you like the person or not, you got to respect them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's and, true. You know, I like with me with sports, I know you're not a Yankee fan as I am and as Joe is there. And, you know, as a Yankee fan, you hate the Red Sox. But, you know, as I've gotten older, I've, I learned to respect them a lot more. Um, and give them a lot more credit than I ever did when I was a lot younger because I just let my emotions, you know, uh, dictate <laughs> how I how I how I acted and felt towards them. So to me, this is this is not a what he's done this year. It's no surprise. Um, you're right. He, we haven't heard his name a whole lot, but I have a feeling that has to do more with him and his business ventures than anything else. Yeah. I think right if that man that. puts his mind to it and starts playing poker like he did when he was younger, you know, we're going to be talking about him the same way we've been talking about him tonight. And, and we're going to see results like he did in the WSOP. You know, I mean, there's a reason why that man has so many bracelets. Well, you also got to give him credit for re, uh, you know, reigniting his brand. And obviously, uh, you know, he'll show up at a lot of big events where he can get, publicity and it does a lot for his businesses he is a sponsor of several things uh, one of them is uh, a drink called brain fuel 
And then, of course, the books he's written, Positivity, oh, he doesn't miss a chance to promote that all the time. But, uh, you know, he at one time, he would be down here at the Hard Rock for a lot of big events, and he hasn't been here for a while. Um, I don't know what his plan is for future events, but uh, he seemed to really have ignited himself with the uh, head-to-head play and getting a lot of publicity out of that. So I give him credit for that. And also Negreanu, who's done that as well. Right, but you said he had seven final tables this year, right? Yeah, correct. You know how well you could spin that? Hey, listen, I've been so involved in this, but as soon as I put my mind to the game, look what I could do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there's no arguing with the results. Yeah, absolutely. Well, several other big-name players made a lot of final tables. Eric Seidel was one. Um, Stephen Chidwick um, you had Adrian Mateos from Spain, who at one point a couple of years ago was considered uh, maybe the best player in the world. He won the super high roller event, uh, defeating Ben Heath in that one, winning uh, $3.2 million for that. Um, how many players they had? They had 33 players in that. So uh, $100,000 buy in with 33 players. Wait, wait. What was that again? $100,000 buy in. No, I'm sorry, $250,000 buy-in. Quarter with how many million. players? With 33 players. With 33 players, so you're looking at $8 million in change prize pool. Right. And it's he won 3.2. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these, these big-name players that, that did very well, it's fun to see them again. Uh, I thought one of the funniest comments came from uh, uh, Jeremy Osmus, who... Uh, uh, made the November 9, maybe about five, six years ago. And he won uh, the COVID-19 relief event, which was event number three, the charity event. And he talked about how uh, thrilled he was to get a chance to go head-to-head with the, both Negranu and um, Helmuth in the same tournament. He said, uh, you know, he's, those are the old school iconic guys. I used to watch him on TV, you know, 15, 17 years ago before I moved to Vegas. So that was really cool. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of players out there that wish they could do that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the other tournament, uh, by the way, I mentioned Leo Margetz, the woman who won uh, the, the closer, $1,500 buy-in. Uh, Cherish Andrews, who I follow on Twitter, she's from the Tampa area. She finished at the final table, finished sixth. So two women making it very deep there. Chris Mormon also made that final table. He was eighth. Uh, a couple of South Florida players that uh, I follow quite a bit uh, went one-two in one of the events. It was the uh, um, let's see, it was the ten thousand dollar buy-in stud high-low tournament. Uh, Brian Hastings, who lives down here in South Florida now, he's not from here. I believe he's from uh, Pennsylvania, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, Hastings uh, won the tournament, beating uh, Ian O'Hara. He's from Boca Raton, so those two guys went one-two in the tournament, and uh, you know it's uh, kind of bragging rights for South Florida a little bit to show that we have a lot of really great players. And my apologies, but I also have to let you know that I believe Steve Carp also made the money in uh, in the main. In the main. Yeah, I, I was following him, but he went out fairly early on uh, after after the money bubble. But still, we were talking about some of the local people here and. My apologies, Steve, for not mentioning you earlier. <laughs> but, but you know, we did have a lot of people that we kind of like 
had some rooting interest in, and I, damn it, Dave, I spoke to you about this gentleman's name, and I can't remember it. Um, I'm not sure if he made it into the money at the end. I know he was close. Uh, the one guy that I told you that kept get that got up because he thought he was covered and had wound up with 2,500 in chips and stuff and kept coming back. Yeah. He made the money, I believe, but, uh, didn't go real deep. I think right after we talked about that, he got knocked out. Well, let me, I don't, you. I don't remember his name either though. Oh, by the <laughs> way, the other, the other one, uh, um, Michael Graydon, who was the fellow that was bought in uh, with the terminal brain cancer and uh, was bought in by the, uh, I think it was the agent of uh, Negranu, if I'm not mistaken, or, or not not an agent, but uh, an instructor that worked with Daniel Negranu and bought him in the tournament. Another player ended up coming in and splitting it, and Maria Ho put up some money for his hotel. Um, he went out uh, on the first day, but he, he made a, quite, a, quite a long time in that day. He didn't uh, cash or anything, but... Uh, you know, he, tw- he tweeted quite a bit about his uh, experience and had a tremendous time, talked about a lot of the players, and his, his reception at the tables was, was really great. Uh, that's a wonderful story, Dave. That really is. You know, that, that's one of the wonderful things I like about the main event and all of that, all these, you know, different stories of different people. And, uh, you know, we've had similar stories in the past. And it, I don't know about you, but, you know, it, it always puts a smile on my face and gets those uh, goosebumps jumping up when, when you read some of these stories and how wonderful some of some of the, you know, people in the poker world are to help these people. Yeah, absolutely. Their dreams, you know. Well, well, let's talk about Helmuth when we come back. But I wanted to mention a little bit more about him. He did a lot of complaining about the player of the year race because uh, he was trailing Josh Aurier for that honor. Uh, and didn't think that was fair because Aria got, you know, a lot of points for some of the events where he didn't make the final table. And Phil certainly has, uh, you know, he's very excited. He didn't he didn't win more than than one tournament, but he finished second in two others and, uh, you know, fourth in a tournament. So anyway, by the way, um, I thought that detracted a little bit from uh, people's excitement for him. But uh, we'll talk a little bit about more when we come back. Also, uh I do want to take a break, but we want to talk about the Seminole Hard Rock Rock and Roll Poker Open, which is a WPT event. Uh, the first tournament of that one is underway, and they had the largest tournament ever uh, for a, uh, I guess, for a buy-in under under $1,000. It was a $400 buy-in, and they did 6,196 players, so pretty incredible. And I want to talk a little bit about that when we come back. Just ended this afternoon. Anyway, that's going to take care of the first half of the show for us. Uh, Stick around. We'll have much more to discuss from the uh, main event and maybe a couple other things as well. Uh, You're listening to Poker Action Line. You can always pick us up on SoundCloud, on Poker, um, on the um, Apple podcast, I should say, on uh, Spotify, and anywhere you get your podcast, you can check it out. Just type in uh, Poker Action Line, and you can get the show. And uh, look forward to bringing you a lot uh, into the new year. Uh, So stick around. We'll be back with more of the show when we return. Poker Action Line. We'll be back after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. 
Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to mooch off your friends. You gonna finish that grape? You mean the one in my mouth? You don't need to stop buying the necessities. What you're smelling is a natural musk. Ew. You don't need to be a medical test subject. How do you feel? Mostly okay. I... <laughs> Sometimes, though. <laughs> you don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. We need a new stuntman. Let's break for lunch. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. All right, deal. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show, Big Dave and Joe, another edition of Poker Action Line. Uh, Joe Castello uh, has been out in Vegas. Joe, we want to bring you in and uh, see what you uh, thought about your great time out there. Oh, hey, guys. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody in advance. Of course, it was a great time. I uh, was out there for, for nine days in, in total, and it was good. I got to see everything that I wanted and a whole ton that I didn't care to. It was an interesting environment, though. You know, the, uh, the streets were packed. It was crowded. The energy is back. And, uh, yeah, what can I say? It was good. There was, there was a World Series of Poker activity happening around me. There was certainly a lot of discussion, me being involved with the, uh, you know, the automotive stuff. There was, uh, you know, one of the largest trade shows that we have, one of the largest trade shows in the world, frankly, was out there when I was there. Um, but, you know, the restaurants were packed. It was all it was all a good time. I have nothing bad to say. I can't wait to go back in April. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, 
was it too much time out there? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, everybody will tell you that you know nine days is too long to stay in Vegas. But then again, it I consider it a badge of honor, right? Like, uh, who gets to stay in Vegas for nine days at all? Period. It's not a choice for most people to be there for nine days, let alone longer than that. I felt like I lived there, right? I feel like a resident. And I was, you know, becoming friends with, uh, you know, people out there. They were kind of showing me the ropes, Uber drivers, et cetera. Um, but it was good. You know, most people, they get to stay in Vegas for four days, five days, and then they got to cash out and go back to their regular jobs. Nine days, gentlemen. I was, I came back a different person <laughs> than I left. It felt like I went through some sort of boot camp. Every time I go out there and stay for a long, prolonged period of time, uh, for those that are wondering, like, which nine days, I get in on a Thursday typically and then leave the following Saturday. So it's uh it's a journey, man. It's a big thing, which I, you know, I wear like a badge of honor. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's uh you know, to have a job where you get paid to be out there. I, I mean, there's nothing better than that. Paid to be out there, two different hotels, it was fantastic. But I will tell you this though. The text everybody's a member of a group text with their friends right now these days. And uh, my friends, while I was out there, they were all uh, downloading the, the Hard Rock app over here. And I passed through some sports book. And I think I mentioned this when I right got back. I, I, you know, I passed through some sports books and I poked my nose in there and I was like, you know, maybe I'll place a wager. And then I thought to myself, why on earth would I place a wager that I'm going to have to come back here to, you know, maybe it would be a certain game or anything when I could just do it from my phone at home. Right. And so I didn't feel nearly as juiced or jazzed to go make some sports wagers because I know I can just do it from my phone at home, right? When I want to, when I want to do that. Um, I wonder if other people are having that experience. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm not knowledgeable enough on the, uh, the social media and all that stuff to realize, you know, exactly how that works out. Well, you know, the, the whole thing is like, have you had any experiences uh, with our own local sports betting mobile app? No, I have not, and uh, I haven't. I, no, but I do know people who have. Okay, so I I can tell you that I haven't uh, downloaded it myself just yet, but it's only because of convenience. I haven't gotten around to it, but I've been with people who uh, have. For instance, we were at the Canes game the other night, and it's like, yeah, man, we're gonna place a wager, boop boop boop, you know, like that. Second half wagers, all that stuff. It's really a game changer, gentlemen. It's yeah, a, I'm it's sure a, it is. It's a totally but different But I think a lot of people are waiting to see if it's going to still be around when this final ruling comes out from the judge any day now. Yeah, well, but what difference does it make, though? We're waiting around for what purpose? Like, even if you send them money, they're obligated to send it back. They can't just keep No, that's true. You know what I mean? Just like, wait for it to stay around. You get in, you dive in, you go early. You experience. Yeah, for sure. Uh, actually, uh, the news on that has really not come forth. Uh, we thought that last Monday, it's been going now for about two weeks, and uh, people have been playing. Uh, they're still taking bets on the uh, Tampa Bay game tonight on Monday Night Football. So it's still uh, operational. Uh, they thought that last Monday they had, the judge had talked about delivering a ruling, but really spent the whole week without releasing any thoughts, doing a lot of thorough uh research and decision making on what's going to happen because obviously it's a you know it's it's a he has huge uh, ramifications in in the gambling world so um you know we'll see what happens it's the whole decision on where does the bet take place does it take place on the phone or does it take place on the server well let me tell you let me tell you my opinion big guys i have a feeling that everybody believes 
that they're going to be able to allow it the way it's going right now, Dave, you know? And 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 my one clue to that is that uh, one of the biggest opponents of, of gambling in the state of Florida has, has I think, now decided to enter, to enter the arena, which is Disney. Yeah, yeah, and all of a sudden now gambling's okay. Exactly. <laughs> well, but ex- exactly. but exactly, and isn't that so? That this is the bi- the big debate, and I know this is a poker show specifically, but there's a couple of different angles that you have to consider. Like one, the deal, right? Is it a good deal, or is the deal way too small for the state of Florida? If you do it this way, where any Joe in Florida can pick up his phone and place a bet on the first half or the second half of a game, going to a game from their phone at any time, that totally normalizes uh, wagering, which is something that we've never had here in the United States. Like, you always have to go somewhere, and you have to deal with someone, you have to wait in a line. That uh, inconvenience automatically gets rid of a, a large portion of people. So all of a sudden, like, every person, a housewife at home, can get interested in, in a bet. Uh, of whatever it is, like which character are they going to kill off their favorite show? Like, it, and then it opens up to gambling. Like in Europe, they have, you know, they bet on everything over there. Um, if that's what's going to happen, maybe the deal is too small, man. This thing is going to be huge. More, more. It's going to be huge. It's going to be larger than we could ever have imagined. Um, did they prepare for that? I wonder. Yeah. Well, let me explain something to you, Joe. The normal numbers on bookmakers around the country, I don't know what the numbers are, were in Europe, but being that Caesars decided to sell that part of the William Hill that they bought out, um, you know, you, you you usually get to keep somewhere between 45 to 6% of your total handle is going to be your, your winnings at the end of the year for the most part. Some years a little bit better. I don't see it being much lower than 4.5%. So remember, what did they what did they uh, guarantee us? Uh, it, what is it? Uh, is it? Uh, I don't remember what the total amount is per year. Do you guys remember what the four hundred million dollars or something? Yeah, I thought it was three fifty, something like that. Three hundred fifty million. Yeah. A year. Yeah. And for thirty years, which would be X amount of billions of dollars. Right. So, you know, if based on those numbers, based on those numbers alone, you know, how much would you have to handle to be able to produce that amount of money if you were to give up the the, the, the compact? No, that's and, true. And uh, that's, you know, if, if, you're, if you're holding what? If you're holding a billion, you, you'd have to probably get somewhere around six, seven, eight billion dollars. And even then you still would be... Sh- just pushing the three hundred million dollars that you would get uh, from the compact, it'd be wonderful, like they like they've tried to do, um, and that's what they, you know, that's what the bookmakers themselves would hold. If you don't allow them to earn any money off of that, you know, the state's looking to hold twenty percent of that. So again, you you you'd have to have a lot of sports wagering to make up that kind of money that the Seminoles are willing to guarantee you. It, you know, like they're trying to do is get everybody involved in it. it. If they open it up to everybody else, I don't know if the compact all of a sudden becomes null and void. If the state is so. expected to receive an estimated $20 billion over the 30-year compact. 
Okay. I don't know. Twenty just, billion. Yeah. Okay, so you're looking at uh, more than more than half a billion a year, right? So six hundred million, maybe. Give or take, that's a little bit more than six hundred million. You'd, you'd be you'd, you'd be at eighteen billion right there for thirty years. Um, but you'd have to generate a lot of sports betting uh, for the state to be able to cover that 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 nut that they might lose if if it opens up to to everybody around the state. They'd have to open up casino gambling to everybody, and that's the big issue right there that the state won't allow it because of the current laws. I don't think you'd ever get that passed in a vote. Right, which is why, uh, you know, Governor DeSantis is supporting the Indians, uh, which is why the Indians are running those spots, telling people not to sign the petitions. Uh, And it's understandable. But, uh, you know, I know that uh, both DraftKings and FanDuel want to get involved. They've already contributed $10 million each into this uh, campaign to try to get people to... Uh, get it on the ballot for the future. So, um, you know, it's just we're talking about huge numbers, and uh, it's and it's uh, it's this decision by the judge. I think is going to be very important. So, for perspective, uh, go ahead. I was just because it's, it's obviously, uh, you know, they want to have the access to people around the state betting on their phones and their laptops and and that sort of thing, as opposed to just what the a lot of people would like to only allow is walking onto Indian land and betting at the casino. Which that but and that's exactly the kind of hurdle that is in play that that I'm experiencing, right? Like it doesn't matter how much I want to place a wager, if you put enough inconvenience in between me and doing what I want to do, I'm not going to do it. Uh, I remember being in Vegas years ago and I knew that a certain NASCAR driver was going to win a race. I knew it. And uh you know, I could get him at 6 to 1. Except the the casino that had the NASCAR odds was a considerable in you know inconvenience. I had would have to get in a cab and I would have to go across town and I'd have to place the wager because it was at the you know Sahara or someplace was the only place I could get it. And you know what, man, I just didn't do it. Like ah, you know, you're in Vegas, yeah, you get people. Right. Well, guess what? The dry I was going to bet a hundred dollars at six to one. I would have won six hundred bucks instead. I cost myself six hundred bucks, and I thought to myself, oh, I should have done it. You know, like work wise, I would go to work for six hundred bucks. I should have gone across town, but I didn't because it's an inconvenience and this is supposed to be fun. That's what's true about every. Everything. Putting it on your phone in your house while you're at home, a game's coming on. Huh, who do I think is going to win this game? Uh, that makes it open to so many people that I don't think we understand exactly how friendly the idea is to many right. people oh. to just pick one or the other. By the way, $101.5 billion is the yearly state budget of the entire state. So $101.5 billion. And uh, you basically are talking about, what'd you say, Joe, $600 million a year? So it's like less well, than uh, 1%. Over that is, is what they're going to be contributing to that. So less than 1% of the state budget for one year. But I mean, it's something. I'm not saying it's, but at the end of 30 years, like those numbers are going to seem, that, that $600 million in year 20 is going to be way less than it is now, obviously, because of inflation and just well, normal growth. Well, I don't know if there's any anything in the compact that if it's based on a certain amount of revenue, you get this amount. If if it could, you know, if it grows and they become bigger and bigger, do, do, you know, does the state get a bigger cut of that? You know, uh, 
I don't know if that's been put out there yet or not, or if it's a bottom line number, you know, whether they earn it, whether they earn it to where it makes sense for the Hard Rock, or 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 it makes sense for the state, they're guaranteeing themselves this amount of money. I I would imagine that hopefully the state tied something into it that if they continue to get you know exclusivity as they have in most of these things, you know if the numbers exceed certain certain you know uh, levels that I'm sure they talked about that the state would could earn a little bit more. In revenue, but uh, I think that's what the sports betting is all about. To me, yeah. I, and, I just uh, I just wonder to make a thirty-year deal and on anything, right? Like forget whatever it is. Like to to sign a thirty-year agreement on anything nowadays is a little shocking. Like it just seems so long. Maybe, like you said, there's maybe there's details to, to be in the interest of fair reporting. I have not read the entire compact. I'm sure there's some details in there. Uh, maybe I will, um, but I have not just yet. But 30-year deal. That having been said, sitting in the stadium, sitting in the club level, opening up a browser, picking some bets, placing a wager, so user friendly, guys. It was insanity well, watching my friend do it. Like as fun as it gets. Yeah. Joe, yeah. Joe, let me tell you something, and I don't know if Dave's done this, but trust me when I tell you that most people in this country have been betting like that. It just hasn't been legal. Well, yeah. but that's you a know, big. That's no, a big. That's ended up with off offshore accounts. Uh, you know, there's a lot of ways that I really don't want to get into here in the show, but I guarantee you. Maybe not on their phone unless they, you know they could get on there. But people have been placing wagers on their on their computers for many many years. And once that technology became available, you know, and and Nevada was the first, obviously, you know, since it was the only place where there was legal sports betting, uh, you know, and you we've been talking about sports betting, and I know there's a poker show, but all in all, it's going to help. You know, one should help the other. Right. You know, and, uh, you know, hopefully this state one day will allow us to have, you know, uh, you know, Internet poker available through the hard rock, through through whatever means they have it available to us for. But, you know, this is something like you said, you see how convenient it is. I guarantee you in this state alone, there are thousands and thousands of sports bettors that are out there that have their, you know, their bookmaker and their site that they love to bet with. And the only difference is, yeah, you know, it'd be nice if you could just open up an account and, as you said, Joe, be anywhere in the state of Florida and place a bet. For those people, you know, that I know, they can be anywhere in the country and place that bet. Yeah, you know, that's as long true. As they've got access to a yeah, computer. But- that's illegal though like that's the thing it's like you know you could we could if we're willing to do illegal stuff like i mean the world is our oyster right like we could go into uh you know my neighbor's got some great stuff all we got to do is go in there and take it from him and it's it's easy it's a piece of cake we just go in there and we overpower him and he's taking stuff except it's illegal and a lot of people don't feel comfortable doing illegal things i'm one of them but once you make it you make it legal and convenient we saw it with the legalization of marijuana down here as well uh, it it makes people who would not consider something all of a sudden fans and willing to do it. And that's yeah, what I think yeah, we're going to experience. I agree 100 percent, Joe. 
You guys ready to help me overpower my neighbor and take his stuff? I'm kidding. It's just a joke. <laughs> just a well, joke. Well, we're, we're running low on time here in the show, and I did want to mention the tournament, the Hard Rock, which is underway now. The main event's still to come, obviously, uh, later around Thanksgiving. Uh, but the first event is done this afternoon. Michael Lawfer, the winner of the tournament, uh, the total, once again, 6,196 players, the biggest tournament ever in Florida. I don't know if I made that clear, but uh, in the state of Florida. And, uh, you know, it's uh, there was only a $400 buy-in, and there was a $1 million guarantee. But they, of course, uh, you oh, know, gosh, blew yeah. that out of the water. So uh, that tournament is over. It was actually a six-way chop to finish things up. Uh, you know, I... I it's very easy when you play a very long tournament to go ahead and make that deal. Uh, there was a player named Ahmed, uh, Ahmed De La Torre that knocked out the, the grinder. Michael Smith Rocky came right back from Vegas, jumped into this tournament and finished 45th, won $5,009. But uh, De La Torre knocked him out. Uh, uh, I think uh, Michael had pocket jacks and this guy had ace ace 10 or something like that and got an ace on the on the turn but uh there was also women a woman that chopped in the final chop uh, molly kagate uh also uh was a uh winner of one hundred and thirty-eight thousand dollars. so they split between uh the top player michael lawford that got the trophy 160 grand and sixth place aaron valencia 131 grand so uh, the first tournament's over. A lot of the uh, mixed game tournaments uh, have been played as well, and they're headed toward the main event. But uh, I'm going to try to get over there maybe on Wednesday and, and see what's going on. So should be a lot of fun. Excellent. Well, not, not bad for a $400 buy-in, huh? Yeah, 131 for six. Uh. <laughs> the point is, uh, the point is, you know, while while some of the numbers were down, as we talked about at the World Series, down 30 percent in a lot of events, there was some big numbers. But you go to some local tournaments and, uh, you know, the excitement's back just about everywhere. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Dave, this is yeah, we're, we're just. We're just at the tip of the iceberg right now. It's going to explode real soon, and hopefully the, uh, you know, situation in our country with the COVID, uh, you know, starts getting better and better for all of us. And as soon as that does, we're going to see numbers that we started to see pre-pandemic. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right, definitely, about that. Uh, we're headed toward the end of the show. One of the things I want to talk about next week, uh, we talked about George Holmes. Uh, and there was an article about how much players had to pay in taxes. Uh, the interesting thing was that the winner who lives in Austria doesn't have to pay a dime in taxes on it. It's $8 million. He gets to keep it all unless he had backers. I don't know exactly what his setup was. But George Holmes won $4.3 million and has to pay the U.S. government $1.8 million of it in taxes. Uh, yeah, in federal taxes and then uh, whatever – you said he's from Atlanta. He's so Atlanta. Georgia so I, has I, don't, state taxes. I don't think they do, but there was one player from New Jersey who had about 45% of his winnings taken out because of uh, state tax. Well, yeah, the state tax, New Jersey, well, California, New York, I believe, have the two highest state tax. Right. Uh, and New Jersey, uh, I don't know how high it is. I know what I used to have to pay when I lived there. It wasn't as bad as New York, but still sucked. Yeah, uh, for sure. <laughs> but, 
But I can't believe that the guy who won uh, for Austria is not paying some sort of taxes for money earned on this in the well, United States. Yeah, good point. Uh, Alex Alejandro Lacoco was the one who had to pay a uh, hefty chunk uh, uh, living in New Jersey, I believe. Anyway, uh, the other player that uh, had a big payment was the one from Turkey. They have a 40% tax bracket for high-earning residents in Turkey, so he had to pay 700000 out of his $1.8 million. Well, that's still a million dollars more than he had when he got there, so. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, final table is besides the three that we mentioned, Jack Romit, uh, I'm sorry, Josh Romitio, Oscar Silmus, High Park, Alejandro Lococo, Jared Eath, East, and uh, probably the other best-known player at the table is uh, Chase Bianchi, who finished in ninth. Anyway. Yep. Well, congratulations to those final nine. It's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to seeing some of the replays and uh, the stuff that CBS Sports puts together. Uh, that will all be coming up soon. And uh, great job by uh, the broadcasters and everybody to put this thing on. And great job to the World Series of Poker. You know, you always get a few complaints here and there. But I think, uh, you know, people expected some sort of disaster, and there really wasn't one. So, I thought, you know, listen, <laughs> I don't know for sure, but it seemed to have run smoother. So, Good congratulations to them for putting this on. You know, people have been dying right. for it, and uh, I gotta, I gotta assume there was a, it was, it was quite a success for them. Yeah, I think so for sure. And next year it'll be at the Bally's in Paris. We'll give you a little more details when some of that comes out over the next uh, few weeks as they start to make plans. But I did mention that uh, they will be starting in May. So quick turnaround. Here we are in mid-November, and. Uh, you know, there's not a year in between like we normally see or nine months, whatever. Uh, it's going to be just a few months away before we get started once again. Just just, just close your Six eyes months. and think, think of the November Niners, that's all. Think of the November exactly. exactly. <laughs> okay, guys, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Uh, we got to get out of here. We, uh, we uh, hope you had fun listening to the show, and uh, we certainly will talk about what's going on in the world poker over the next few weeks. Uh, Joe Costello, thank you as well for all your work on, on with us and uh, over the over the last year, which you've uh, been more involved with the show. And uh, Joe, thank you as well. Thanks, so, Dave. I'm Big Dave Lemon. That's going to do it for us uh, this week. We'll be Happy back. Thanksgiving Day to everybody, uh, all Absolutely. our listeners out there. Absolutely. Don't eat too much turkey. Sleep it off on the couch. Miss football. Uh, but enjoy it. Uh, and we will talk to you next week on another edition of Poker Action Line. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 